ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 70th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in just a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert and friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. My highlight of the week is Augusta National finally admitting its first two women ever this week thereby putting to rest the long-time controversy connected to Martha Burke's boycott way back when. I have had the pleasure of knowing a long-time Augusta official, as well as attending a master's practice round a few years back, and found all of my experiences to be eminently positive and welcoming with Augusta National and the Masters itself. So I'm glad to see that they finally took this step, put this lingering topic behind them forever. My low light of the week is the Lance Armstrong news of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency banning him for life from cycling and stripping him of his seven Tour de France titles. Shockingly, the retired Armstrong, who is as well known for his Livestrong Foundation as he is for his athletics exploits, said he has finished fighting the allegations that have dogged him forever. There's no winners here, and a sad, sad day for the sport and the athlete. My bizarre story of the week is Roger Clemens, at age 50, 5-0, returning to the mound tomorrow to pitch for the Sugarland Skeeters. Roger is uh, an interesting character, to say the least. I have followed him since day one of his career. I remember 1986, when he pitched for the Red Sox like it was yesterday. I attended uh, game six and seven against the Angels in the uh, playoffs in 86, and uh, uh, that being the same playoffs of the famous Dave Henderson home run. And, of course, they went on to lose against the Mets in the World Series. But Roger Clemens is just uh, continuing to turn into one of America's most fascinating pro athletes uh, in recent memory. Uh, We all know what happened recently where he was acquitted uh, of perjury charges before the U.S. Congress. Uh, it was a fight that many, many, many people thought he should never have taken on. Uh, can't take on City Hall, as they say, but he did and won. And 
again, when I look back on his career and how he uh, finished up with the Red Sox, not in a glorious way, and then showed up in Toronto with the Blue Jays, shocking everybody, by the way, when he signed with them, and had fabulous Cy Young seasons with the Blue Jays, and then uh, obviously ended up going to the Yankees, where he finally won his world championship, and uh, again, seared into memory, the famous uh, bat throwing with Mike Piazza, uh, you know, I remember him for the uh, Ninja, Turtle, Ninja Turtle Eye Black in a playoff game against the Oakland A's uh, back in the early 90s, where he was thrown out of the game, still remember the umpire's name, Terry Cooney, that's how big a deal it was up here in Boston. And, uh, again, he just continues to be, uh, on the radar screen and that's putting it mildly. Obviously, the general sentiment is, is that Roger is attempting to reset the clock, meaning if he pitches for the Sugarland Skeeters tomorrow, which he is scheduled to do, obviously, and then theoretically would sign with the Houston Astros, if he pitches, then he automatically resets his uh, Hall of Fame vote five more years from now because he's eligible this year. And I think we all know that he is just uh, too hot of a potato to be voted in this year. It happens to be the year that Barry Bonds is going in, so to say that uh, this will be the penultimate vote on the steroid era for making it into the Hall of Fame would be an understatement. And Roger, to his credit, I mean, if you're him, and he's obviously uh, huge on his legacy, he would have never taken on Congress if he wasn't. It was for his legacy. Uh, he knows he's not going to get in. You know, he will not be voted in this year. Uh, but, as we all know... America, especially in sports, forgives and forgets, even baseball sports writers. And a lot can change in five years, to say the least. Uh, and I think that's exactly what Roger is doing. Uh, he says he just wants to go out and have fun um, and see what happens. And no designs on the major leagues, as it were. But uh, he clearly has a long time. He, number one, he grew up in Houston, near Houston. So he's a long-time uh, association with the Houston Astros, and they are having the worst imaginable year possible. Uh, just fired their manager, formerly of the Red Sox, and uh, it just makes sense to me that Roger could be uh, could be indeed, you know, looking to get back to the Astros. All he needs to do is throw a pitch, and the clock resets five more years. So it is going to be fascinating to watch. I, I believe the game may actually be on ESPN. I think I just saw a scroll or a notice on on their scrolls, so that would be uh, uh, well worth watching uh, just for the sheer freakishness of it, 50 years old. I'm not even sure if Jamie Moyer actually uh, made 50 um, when he pitched. I know he got to 49 very recently, but I don't think he's actually 50. So 
that would be uh, practically reminiscent of uh, Tom Watson when he was going after the British Open, um, seeing just, again, any athlete compete at the professional major league level at age 50 is unique. But, again, this I don't think is really about competing as much as, again, resetting the clock to ensure his legacy and potentially his enshrinement in the Cooperstown down the road. Because, again, it will not happen in the year of Barry Bonds being voted on. It's just too, too red-hot uh, a topic, especially now in light of, uh, you know, the recent bans on Melky Cabrera, Bartolo Colon, another guy who pitched for the Red Sox, by the way. And it's just... Uh, it's back in the public consciousness, needless to say. And uh, as I speak, Roger Clemens uh, is seen holding up his Sugarland Skeeters jersey right on ESPN. So, uh, again, fascinating, interesting story, to put it mildly. Well, it's a big weekend up, in the, up here in Boston. Uh, it's the Major League Lacrosse Championship Weekend, which will be... Broadcast on ESPN2 and CBS Sports Network tomorrow and Sunday. I am planning to attend. It's at nearby Harvard Stadium. And as all you listeners recall, I covered the Major League Lacrosse All-Star Game at Harvard last summer and interviewed Commissioner David Gross on my show. And this weekend is sure to be special uh, because I have really never encountered fans with quite the unique passion of lacrosse fans, both uh, at the professional level, as I witnessed at the All-Star Game last year, and at the collegiate level when I covered the NCAA lacrosse Final Four over at Gillette Stadium uh, this past spring. So tomorrow the lineup is uh, the Denver Outlaws versus the Long Island Lizards, uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock on ESPN2. And then semifinal number two is the Chesapeake Bayhawks versus the Boston Cannons at uh, 4 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. And the finale, the winners of those two games, will meet in the championship game on uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. on ESPN2. And last year, the Boston Cannons won the MLL championship, and... Uh, the star of their team is the face of lacrosse, professional lacrosse here in the United States. I think lacrosse in general. Paul Rabel. He is, uh, a unique athlete. Again, had a tremendous college career at, uh, University of Virginia and has made quite a name for himself, uh, in the pros. He has, uh, endorsements. Uh, he has it. Just that simple. I interviewed him after the All-Star game last year on the field at Harvard Stadium. He is a worthy, worthy face of U.S. lacrosse. Uh, you know, he number one, he's got game. Uh, not only does he pile up the statistics, he has a flair for the dramatic. Uh, last year for a halftime shootout, he jumped over a car, uh, you know, along the lines of the NBA dunk contest. And it brought the house down, needless to say. And he is, again, he has uh, long hair. He just has charisma. He's a presence. Uh, and 
he is the guy that uh, who's back the sport of lacrosse is jumping on in this uh, you know in this country and major league lacrosse again good take uh, been to a few games and it's a very very nice product and uh, Commissioner David Gross is to be commended. He actually lives in the town that I live in. And most importantly, they signed a, an agreement, uh, with CBS Sports Network. So their games are televised. And as we all know, the most important thing for any sports is a television contract. And they got it done. They have lots of sponsors. And, uh, again, the passion of the lacrosse fans is unlike really anything I've ever seen in just about any sport. So uh, it may be small, smallish compared with the major sports for now, but it's growing across this country at every level, youth, high school, college, and now pro. So uh, going to be a big weekend. I'm looking forward to it. And with that said, and as my former co-host, Lemon Williams from outside the huddle used to say, it's time to take our break. And up next will be friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 1- 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line is our friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? I'm doing great, John. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for calling in. And uh, hard to believe, but before... This next show airs next Friday. College football will be underway, and you will be at what I think may be the first college football game of the year, because I know you're covering UConn versus UMass this Thursday, August 30th, down at UConn, and uh, it will be the first ever FBS game for uh, for UMass. So it's going to be a pretty exciting night down there. Yeah, it should be. I, I guess there's one drawback for UMass. Uh, their quarterback has a concussion, so uh, he's been indefinitely out of the picture for them. So that's a little shortcoming on their part at the quarterback position. 
but both teams are looking to turn it around, and uh, UMass is entering the, the new era of football, and they're all excited, and Connecticut's trying to get on the winning track after suffering a 5-7 and seven season last year. And they, they're also bringing in a new quarterback from uh, Kansas uh, Junior College, Butler Community College. He threw for over 3,000 yards and 25 touchdowns. He's kind of high on the uh, interception uh, rate. They had 14, but it should be interesting. Oh, it'll be very interesting, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to see, you know, big-time college football, you know, increasing its visibility, shall we say, up here in New England. Um, UConn, I saw them down at Big East Football Media Day down in Providence, Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island, excuse me, uh, just, uh, just a couple weeks back, and coaches Paul Pasqualoni formerly of Syracuse pretty big name in the in the college football ranks and uh he was very upbeat they had some of their players as did all the big east teams that were in attendance and uh yeah I, you know I, I think that UConn has again high hopes they have that fairly new stadium 4 or 5 years old I believe right near Hartford uh I have not personally been there but you have I believe right Yes, I sure have, John. It's a it's a nice stadium, and it's about forty thousand, I guess, with the possibility to add another ten thousand if they see fit. But um, they're going to yeah. have some some big time teams in there in the next few years. Uh, Michigan is scheduled next year, and that's the athletic director, uh, Ward Manuel's alma mater. He played football there, and and I don't think he's going to let them out of that game. Although I heard they're trying to get out of it, but but I wouldn't let Michigan uh, run from that game. Michigan coming to play Michigan. at U- UConn yeah. is what you're right. saying. Right, that's a wow. return game. That's a return game from a few years ago. And then Tennessee is on the schedule, I believe it's 15 and 16 home and away series, which is quite unique to have uh, two 100,000-plus stadium teams come to you home and away. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan, the most successful college football program ever and i still remember when i went to see uh michigan play at boston college back in the early 90s they had a they had a player on their team uh named desmond howard who had i know who had i believe two kickoff returns maybe three or four touchdowns that day obviously he won the heisman trophy preceded by his famous heisman pose near the end of the season that year, and uh, it was absolutely electric. Uh, easily top ten college football games I've ever witnessed. I think it was the opener to boot. And uh, so early September, uh, back in the day, 20 years ago, And but, you know, when Michigan comes to town, it is electric. So that that is going to be, that, that's going to help heighten their visibility, to, to say the least. Yeah, Massachusetts has quite an ambitious uh, schedule in future years. I think Florida's on the schedule and a few other big-time teams. So they're they're making the deep plunge into uh, top-level football. Yes, well, interesting you would say that because uh, a mere 20 minutes from where I'm standing at this moment is, of course, Gillette Stadium. And two weeks from tomorrow, UMass will play its first ever home game as an FBS Division One school, 
hosting a Big Ten power, speaking of the Big Ten, Indiana. Well, power might be a little strong. A Big Ten team, Indiana, as in the Hoosiers. And uh, I'm hoping to go. It's just definitely, uh, you know, going to be a big-time event. I actually uh, was talking with a UMass student yesterday and, uh, you know, just trying to get a feel for, you know, what the buzz is going to be on campus. They don't start classes for another week and a half post Labor Day. But, you know, it's they're going to be busing the students from Amherst, Massachusetts, down to Gillette Stadium, mm-hmm. where, of course, the Patriots play, needless to say. And, you know, I, I, it's just going to be fascinating to see how it all works out, how many students are going to come. UMass is a big school. Uh, I believe they have 25,000 uh, on-campus students and... Uh, so they have a, a huge, if not massive, alumni base. Obviously, huge presence here in Boston. So that's what they're trying to tap into, the combination of that huge alumni base with playing at Gillette Stadium. Again, now entering the FBS. And uh, obviously, just trying to create a big-time program as quickly as possible, and, you know, when you're playing at Gillette Stadium, that, 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 that's a pretty good start. But, again, the lifeblood of, of college football, as we know, is, you know, the students, the student section, as it were. So just curious to see how that's all going to work out. How many are going to come? Will they continue to come? And uh, they have a new coach, Charlie Molner, used to be on the Notre Dame staff, assisting Brian Kelly. So uh, th- th- there's a lot to like. Yeah, that's a smart policy to encourage those students to take the bus. I mean, there's no excuses when you're providing the transportation. And like, like you say, if you can get your students involved, and that's, you know, seen on television, that enthusiastic crowd, it, it helps your program all the way down the line. Yes, it really does. Uh, well, Charlie Molner, I've been, you know, I've been following all this on the UMass football website for a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just watching it unfold. And Charlie Molner is clearly... Uh, ultra high energy guy no surprise we worked with brian kelly and you know he, he's just he's just been everywhere selling the program you know the the rotary club tour as it were for lack of a better word <laughs> yeah. and and you know that that's what he needs to do and he's doing it and you know the other day i was in boston and big bus rounds the corner and there's a gigantic sign on the bus you know Advertising UMass football, very, very well done, very large, you know, with, you know, how you get tickets and pictures of the players and just are, are, you know, prominently displayed, to put it mildly, you know, just not something you have, you know, that you would have seen here before in the city of Boston would be a UMass football billboard. That goes without saying. So, uh, again, you know, I, it, it's, it's like a, a grand new experiment. And, uh, you know, which, uh, which again, what makes it unique, it's unique on many levels, but doubly unique is the whole, the campus is two hours from the stadium where they're going to play, but the stadium where they're going to play has serious national cachet, to put it mildly. Yeah, it sure, it sure does, uh, John. That, that's a smart uh, move on their part to play the games at Gillette Stadium. You can attract those uh, fringe recruits who are not familiar with the program to they're going to be playing where the Patriots play every every weekend so 
that was a, an intelligent uh, proposition to start their program in the FBS division. And uh, it should be interesting to see the new quarterbacks from both sides. And UConn, uh, they, they have a good tailback, I guess. He had a 1,000 yards last year, so they're trying to prevent any sophomore slump. Lyle McCombs had a 1,100 yards as a freshman. But in another positive for UConn, they were third or fourth in last year uh, rushing defense. And if you can stop the run, you got a chance to be successful because you can make a team one-dimensional and deal with those issues, you know, throwing the football. So, you know, UConn and Paul Pascaloni plays hard-nosed football, but I guess they guess they're going to run some of that wildcat this year in addition to, to throwing the football. Yeah, really. Okay, that's, you know, the wildcats in vogue, obviously, with, with Tebow, and uh, so that'll be interesting. And yeah, I, I just think that you know, and UConn again is a is a, a program on the rise. You mentioned the running back; uh, they had you know one of the nation's more uh, y- you know interesting running backs last year. Uh, I know he was drafted, and uh, but you know he was uh, went along under the radar. Partly because he played at UConn, and uh, and, and you saw him play, right? You, you you've covered some UConn games in the yeah, past. Yeah, I, I, I was at the Iowa State game, matter of fact, which right, turned, yeah, big game. Yeah, it was a good good ball game. Uh, Connecticut had a chance to win, but Iowa State pulled it out, um, and they went on to have a, a big time season for that school. And they, and they went to the national the national scene by beating the Oklahoma State. Iowa State, right? They they, they ruined Oklahoma State's champ chance of being in the national championship game uh that was an epic game like a double overtime whatever mm-hmm. and uh and yeah UConn I mean coach Randy Edsel did a fabulous job he he, he did at UConn what Charlie Molner is hoping to do at UMass I think if Charlie Molner followed Randy Edsel's blueprint which was literally beating the bushes as it were for years uh UMass football would, you know, elevate to a prominent position because Randy Edsel did a great job. It paid off, took his team ultimately to a BCS Bowl when they won the Big East, and then he got hired for uh, for the job at head coach at the University of Maryland, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- recruiting is the lifeblood of any program, so all the assistants you hire, maybe they're a little bit, you know, if you're going to hire a coach, hire on the side he's a, a good recruiter because you can always get some X and O people in there, but you must have those those people with contacts all over the country because UMass, there's not a lot of football players in this area, so they're going to have to go scour the countryside for maybe some speed, for instance. And, you know, usually you look in this neck of the woods, you look south because that's the closest place instead of looking maybe southwest or west to get them to come to the New England region. Um, you know, occasionally get a guy out of Texas, they'll, they'll travel anywhere to play fo- anywhere to play football. Absolutely. But, you know, you never know where you're going to get. And I say that because, you know, one of the biggest names in college football in the offseason for a variety of reasons has, of course, been former Penn State running back, now USC running back, Silas Red, And... Where did he play high school football? Where did he grow up? Norwalk, Connecticut. Right. Less than, right? So less than an hour from, uh, you know, from stores where UConn's headquartered. And, uh, you know, I know you and I have had some conversation about just some talent you're familiar with out there. And, uh, 
you know, in Connecticut, some high school football talent. I myself have witnessed some great high school talent right here in Massachusetts, to say the least. So, uh, the talents here in New England, if these schools, uh, along with Boston College, could, you know, establish a track record of keeping a large percentage of those kids here. Yeah, uh, Boston College has gotten players from Connecticut and Syracuse has come down here more than once and taken them up to the north, northern, northern New York. So Connecticut has to close those borders, and so does Massachusetts. They've got to keep every player in their state and then some. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, one thing's for sure. You and I are both passionate college football fans, and there is nothing uh, that the two of us would rather see, uh, you know, in the coming years than, you know, really genuine, true, big-time college football on a regular basis right here in New England with, uh, you know, a couple of teams, namely UConn, UMass, Boston College is already there. Um, it would just be fabulous. Long overdue, I might add. You know, uh, John, people kind of forget, and Paul Pasqualone, he was in the area yesterday at a Chamber of Commerce breakfast, and he reminded the audience that uh, college football was started in the East. Correct. And, and, and some people forget that. Matter of fact, uh, people who played football in the East 100 years ago, they, they went to other parts of the country and introduced the game. So, but, but it hasn't been emphasized. I mean, somewhere along the line, there's been a fumble, and it's never been recovered from other parts of the country. Well, that's exactly right. And just uh, obviously we, we, we know this like the back of our hand being from up here. Uh, you know, I grew up in the shadow of, you know, the Lambert Trophy uh, every year for football supremacy in the East. And uh, But, yes, of course, college football was founded with, you know, the likes of the current Ivy League schools, Harvard to be specific, and, and throughout the East. And it's where it all began. And, uh you know, it's high time it, it just return here, so we would love to see it. Well, AP, uh, you know, with with that said, uh, time for our break, and I know you're sticking around, so we'll cover a little more college football on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports. Are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike? Maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure. Whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker, be sure to tune in to Backpacking America's Trails with host Rob Maureen. We'll explore some of the most fascinating places on Earth. In addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, 
The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with me is friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we closed the previous segment talking about football being born in the East, eastern United States, where we're both located, and uh, football in the East is going to get a serious jump start a uh, week from tomorrow when USC, uh, by many, many accounts, uh, by every account, rated in the top five in the country, many people have them number two, so a few may have number one, they're coming East to play Syracuse at the new Meadowlands Stadium where the New York Giants and New York Jets play. Uh, next a week from tomorrow, Saturday, Labor Day weekend, uh, you will be there. You must be excited. Yeah, John, I'm, it's actually the, the following week, John, on the 8th, September 8th. Oh, it is. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, they, they actually have a game against Hawaii as a first game, and I believe Syracuse has a Big Ten foe, Northwestern. Okay. But, okay. But, but anyway, it's, it's very exciting to have them come to all the way to the east, and it's, I'm sure it's beneficial for them to be in this, this media market as the uh, preseason number one in some polls. I'm sure they're very excited the way things all worked out. They're all probation eligible for the BCS National Championship game. Uh, yeah, they have a strong team. I think it's 18 starters. I mean, two 1,000-yard uh, receivers. Uh, a quarterback who's in, in the lead for the Heisman at this point, probably a, a favorite, 3,500 yards throwing the football. Uh, they had a thousand yard rusher returning. And then you have the addition of Penn State transfer Silas Red, another thousand yard runner. So I don't know anyone who has that type of offensive firepower. Absolutely not. Uh, you know, USC legendary program, obviously. And, uh, Lane Kiffin is, a guy who's always uh, making news, sometimes for the wrong reasons, but he's on everybody's radar screen and was in the news recently about not uh, wanting to vote uh, in, the, in the coaches' polls. And, uh, again, never a dull moment when Lane Kiffin is involved. And so it's perfect for USC. Again, they come in, rated by everybody in the top three in the country. And, you know, USC's... Probably biggest problem is, you know, they often play uh, 11.30 at night Eastern time on a Saturday night. So not everybody sees them. So for them to start their season, you know, within sight of the Manhattan skyline, i.e. the New York media market, is uh, made to order. It just puts them instantly on the radar screen with all the Eastern big city writers uh, and media in general who will be covering that game. It'll be big, and uh, you among them. So mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be, you know, uh, a, a jump start for them, a jump start for, again, football in the East in general. It's great to see just kind of a huge intersectional game like that. Syracuse, again, they were another team I got to see at Big East Football Media Day. Uh, earlier this month down in Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, Doug Maroney's the coach there and had some of his players. They're optimistic. Uh, you know, they're fired up. I mean, to, to say there's a lot of upside for Syracuse here would be an understatement. I think the interesting thing about Syracuse, John, when I was looking at teams and their schedules, 
I mean, out, I mean, this side of Notre Dame, maybe they have the toughest. They're, they have Northwestern and Southern Cal, of course, and you know Minnesota's a Big Ten team, not on the top level though. But and then they're going to travel down to Columbia, Missouri, to take on the new SEC team, you know, quasi Big Twelve team coming into the league this year. So uh, that, that's quite a, a non-conference schedule. And, and I always tell people that if you want to be considered for the BCS National Championship game and you play in the Big East, well, you have to schedule up, and they obviously did. So if they, you know, if they could ever go undefeated, they'll, they'll be in that talk if they ever have that four-team play, uh, playoff format down the road. I mean, I know that's kind of uh, far-fetched, but that's the kind of scheduling that Big East might have to uh, consider if they if they want to be you know heard from from this end of the country. Yes, in Syracuse, I mean, you talk about a legendary football program. You know, they're as good as it gets. Uh, you know, from obviously starting with Jim Brown uh, and Ernie Davis, for whom the movie was made, and Floyd Little, and you know, just huge names, huge tradition of running backs, obviously, and. Uh, you know, they have that National Power Basketball Program and their legendary coach, Jim Beheim. So, you know, although it may be cold there, Syracuse has, uh, you know, they have a strong foundation. And it's just the kind of a situation, Donovan McNabb, another one, uh, where, you know, at any point, if they get players, you know, they're going to rise faster on the national scene than most others. And... As you and I both well know, given the type of work we do, they have probably the preeminent uh, sports journalism program, especially on communications, uh, meaning TV and radio, you know, in the country. So there's a lot of media nationwide who are Syracuse grads who obviously would jump on the Syracuse bandwagon at the slightest sign of them uh, reemerging on the national scene. Yeah, they sure would, John. They have a lot of eyes and ears uh, that would would spread the message for them. And, and I think uh, something interesting about college football, John, all these presidents that hire and fire coaches, they see a team like Boise State, who was not too long ago a junior college program making noise on the on the you know scene, you know, beating Oklahoma in a bowl and going down to Georgia last year and beating them in Atlanta and and coming east and beating Virginia Tech and in the, in the D.C. area, I think that game was Landover. So, you know, it can be done. You know, you know, how many years ago the people thought UConn was someplace up in Alaska in basketball, right? I mean, they they changed everyone's opinion in a, in a decade or so. So you have to be a strong believer, and you have to have the commitment of your president and all the resources to to turn things around. And Syracuse, even though they located in a cold weather part of the country, they have that indoor facility. In the carrier Correct. zone, so you know it can be done. You, you have to, if you can dream it, you can, you know, if you can conceive it, it can happen for you. Absolutely, and I don't know that there's any. I think at any level of football, coaching is important, uh, the most important of any sport. But, uh, um, but to me, you, you know, it's all about the coach. You know, especially in college football and obviously basketball. You get that right coach in there, and you can build a power no matter where you're at, no matter who you are. You just can. Um, you know, Boise State is, again, Exhibit A in that, and they've actually, you know, 
had a couple of coaches have built that program now, not just one. And uh, you can actually build a program and pass it on and still keep it at that high level, even in Boise State, you know, Boise, Idaho. So, yeah, I, I just think, you know, um, a school like Syracuse, maybe Doug Maroney is that guy, um, you know, has a lot of inherent advantages to, again, you know, reemerging on the national scene. And uh, speaking of the national scene and USC being, you know, uh, top three in many polls, uh, the team that is above them uh, in most polls is, of course, Alabama, a team that you know well, uh, defending national champion uh, of all the great games looming out there. Again, this, you know, year, you have to tar- sit here today and target November 3rd, Alabama at LSU, minus the Honey Badger, Saturday, November 3rd, and that is already shaping up to be the game of the year yet again. Uh, yeah, John, those teams, I think it's equivalent to uh, people have talked about maybe uh, Ohio State-Michigan when Bo was there and Woody. Those two coaches yeah. would be back and forth every year, you know, equal talent, just question of a, a player or two here and there that makes the difference. And uh, you could see this being uh, uh, another unbelievable uh, contest when these two teams get together in Baton Rouge in November. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, uh, I'll compare it to uh, not quite the, the, well, maybe the lengthy history. Um in the early 80s, Penn State and Pitt, uh, one of the great rivalries ever in the history of college football, no longer in existence, sadly. But anyway, in the early 80s, they played, I believe, four years in a row. Pitt had a quarterback named Dan Marino, <laughs> and four years in a row, that game had a direct outcome on the national championship. It was always the last game of the year, meaning early to mid-November. And, uh, yeah, in the early 80s, so, you know, LSU and Alabama, they're right there. This is, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested this year, John, uh, to watch the new quarterback at LSU. You know, he transferred in from Georgia. Well, he went to junior college first because he transferred from Georgia to a junior college and into LSU. But uh, big, strong arm and uh, uh, should be interesting. Uh, last year, when you watched LSU, the only person I really feel, uh, feared on offense was Reuben Randall. That wide right. receiver. And yep. he's now with the New York Giants. So, um, but now I might fear him a little bit more because of this quarterback has a more, a stronger and accurate arm. And, and you don't know where the ball is going to be headed, but he can get it to the receivers. Whereas last year they had a, a, a an outstanding a wide out, but they, they couldn't get the ball to him necessarily. But I think this fellow will be much more better at the quarterback position throwing the football for LSU. That'll be worth watching because, you know, quarterback has not necessarily been, you know, their number one strength. I mean, Flynn was obviously pretty good, um, and he's been pretty good in the pros, too. We'll see how he does out in Seattle. But, uh, yeah, it's not the first thing you think of. Obviously, with LSU, you think defense. And, uh, AP, what are, are, are there, what, what are some other games that really just jump out at you as like, you know, potential games of the year? Don't miss college yeah, they, games. They don't, well, the, the, I would say the, the first weekend right off the bat, Alabama travels to Arlington to take on a strong Michigan team. And anybody who watches, uh, the Wolverines, you know that, 
there's a guy running the football that could be on any track team, you know, part of a relay team at the very least, you know, Denard Robertson, and he, he'll, he'll give you fits. Um, you know, if you're playing press coverage on the outside and your cornerbacks have their heads turned and he happens to get by the interior defense, uh, you're probably going to see the back end of his uniform in, in the end zone. And he's so fast, you know, he has that great speed. So it'll be a real challenge for Alabama. Um, it, it probably similar to the defenses they've, they've employed when they played Cam Newton. He was a great, big, powerful runner. And, and last year, even the LSU quarterback, had the long legs, uh, Jefferson. So, uh, but I'm not sure that Michigan has any receivers on the outside that scare Alabama. And the quarterback has to be more consistent throwing. And there's some question about the running back who was suspended also. So, um, but, but Michigan's a good football team and, and, uh, you know, have a pretty good defense. So, and, and, uh, the coach is bringing them back at a nice season last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the other game of the year that I see just looming out there is, uh, you know, same date of Alabama at LSU on that day. I'm sure. And this is when you are happy with the time zone changes because it'll be, uh, <laughs> USC hosting Oregon. And that will be quite the day of college football to put it mildly. So, uh, you know. I think that's going to be, you know, a lot can get decided that day. Yeah, you know, John, that's one of the top three or four games because USC will be hosting Oregon, and last year they went up there to Outson Stadium and beat them. Right. Um, 38-35. So this might be a – this game is kind of a peculiar uh, situation because USC could win that game – that Oregon, that this this year's Oregon team will get a feel for the playing in the Coliseum, and they might have to come back down there in December, and maybe that familiarity will be to Oregon's advantage, even though they lost the first game. Right, right. Good point. Good I, I point. Mean, so you know, I, and I don't think if Oregon happened to lose that game, a close game, um, in November, that it would necessarily knock them out of the conversation. Because you never know this year, John. I don't know if there's going to be very many undefeated teams, if any. I agree. I agree. I could definitely see the national championship champion being a one-loss team for sure. Yeah. Um, so you know, we shall so, see. You know, well, Oregon AP, having a little bit it, of advantage is just the fact that they're coming down to Los Angeles, and then they'll well, we'll be back. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's going to be great. I mean, Oregon has just become a team that I think everybody loves to watch. It's just like between their uniforms, the speed, you know, they're like an SEC team. It's like that when you watch their games, they're in like fast motion, like SEC teams. So much fun. And USC will be able to match them. So that's going to be just, a, again, a, a great game and a great college football Saturday. I, I need to uh, make sure. I have no plans for that day, <laughs> yeah. uh, except to sit in front of the TV. But uh, well, AP, I know we have some other topics we want to cover, uh, so we're going to take a quick break and uh, I'll stick around on the other side to close out the show and cover a couple more items. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? 
it can be done. And Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And still on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we've talked a lot of football, but I know that's not the only thing you have coming up that's exciting. Uh, I hear you have a little basketball news to share with our listeners. Yeah, John, I'm really excited. I have the privilege to be covering the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame induction events and some of the the players and contributors that will be enshrined include Phil Knight of Nike, uh, Reggie Miller, Jamal Wilkes, and Don Barksdale of UCLA, um, Don Nelson, the old Boston Celtic. Uh, he'll be inducted as a coach, of course. Uh, Ralph Sampson, uh, Chet Walker, Chet the Jet Walker, whose fame was with primarily with the uh, maybe the 76 was that great 1967 team. He played with Wilton and on to the, the Bulls where he, he got to expand his game, become a, an offensive force. So I'm really uh, excited and, and honored. Well, that is going to be exciting. Uh, just mentioned Chet, just mentioning Chet Walker. He, one of, uh, his teammates was Norm Van Leer, who's quite well known and had an untimely death a few years ago, but Norm Van Leer, played at my college, St. Francis of Pennsylvania. And uh, so before I forget, if you're talking to Chet Walker, ask him about Norm Van Leer. I guarantee you he, he will light up because Norm is pretty legendary. Stormin' Norman Van Leer, as he was known. And, uh, well, that is so exciting. Those are some big, big names. Ralph Sampson, uh, they don't get any bigger than Ralph uh, in more ways than one. Right. And, yeah, so... I've heard lots about that event. Uh, you know, it's obviously right down the road, a couple hours from Boston in Springfield, Massachusetts, the birth of basketball. And, uh, yes, now will this be your first Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony? Uh, you know, John, this will be my third. I, had, third. Uh, I, w- I was fortunate to uh, attend a few years back, and I think it's the greatest collection of basketball talent I- I'll ever see in my lifetime. It was the 1960. Olympic team with Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, Walt Bellamy, Adrian Smith, some of those old-time named Bob Boozer. And then also that day was Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, and the Dream Team. Oh, my gosh. And not, and I think Carl Malone was, of course, of that part of that Dream Team. He was, he was inducted. And uh, so that was, that was fabulous. So, you know, when I'm attending the event, I never know who else will be there. Um, 
you know, to honor those those um, this class of 2012. So I'm looking forward to to having my eyes and ears open that day to, to all the different visitors, you know, legendary figures that will be there in attendance. Yes. Now that will be like two weeks from today, is it? Uh, it'll be three weeks um, from today. Media access, John, is going to be September sixth, which is on a Thursday. And that'll be in the afternoon. 13 days from now, okay. And then the induction is the following evening, and then that next day I have to hustle down to New Jersey to that USC-Syracuse game. Wow. So it'll be three days. I'll I'll just be really rocking and rolling. With some really, really fun stuff, to say the least. Oh, yeah, I'm like a kid in a candy store because I have two favorites, you know, sports or college football. I love it and any type of basketball. I I love basketball, too. That's terrific. Uh, you know, one other thing I want to touch on is you and I, of course, initially met at the uh, NFL draft two years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, we were there again last year where we had a good chance to catch up. Uh, mm-hmm. Oliver Luck, or excuse me, Oliver Luck. I covered I covered Oliver Luck in West Virginia at the beginning <laughs> of my career. Right. His son, Andrew Luck, who we both saw and attended his news conference, uh, when he was the number one pick. I watched him Sunday night against the Steelers. You know, I've always said that I bet the NFL would love if they could just have these draft picks before they pay him, simply play like one series of downs of a real NFL game. And, and, and they would know on a large majority of these quarterbacks whether or not they can play in the NFL. That's how quickly you could determine it, literally, in five or six downs. Right. I'm going to use that argument to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and say, Andrew Luck, all I needed to see was a few snaps to say, this guy is going to be a fabulous NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's what you call in the old days a six-footer. You just need to see six-foot of film, and you know he was going to be outstanding. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Yeah, but uh, he, you know, He's big and strong and smart, makes all the throws and has a good touch. And I don't see why, you know, the only reason he wouldn't be a good uh, quarterback would, is because maybe he never has the defense on his side or something of that nature. The kicking game was off. But and he's a great addition to any any um, NFL team and, you know, the winning attitude and a great team player. He is special. He is just absolutely special. Again, uh, as far, you know, he has the genes. His father was a tremendous quarterback at West Virginia University, now the athletic director at WVU. And uh, his father went on to play for the Houston Oilers and was, very, very importantly, a Rhodes Scholar finalist. So Oliver Luck, uh, one great athlete and one smart man, and clearly Andrew with his degree from Stanford and obvious Ability is also one great athlete and one smart man. Yeah, there's no question that I don't, you know, if I had to make a choice between him and uh, RG3, you know, I, I, I would think I would have taken Andrew Luck. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we've been hearing, uh, yeah, I just mean, you know, that he is like the most NFL-ready quarterback ever. Heard a quote this week that the only fault that Andrew Luck has is that he has no faults. Uh, <laughs> it was a great line. Loved it. And based on what I saw Sunday night, you know, again, it was just like, all I needed to see was a couple plays to just say, wow. He, he, the, the, you know, and no coincidence he was playing, you know, the fearsome 
Pittsburgh Steelers defense, number one, traditionally year in, year out. Their rush is well known, and uh, just a couple snaps to see him standing up against that is all I needed to see. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people would agree with me that, yeah, that's all they needed to see as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Colts fans, they'll be happy for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say I, I can truly say that I understood Sunday night watching that game. Before the first quarter was over, I, I understood why they let Peyton Manning go. I just do. I, I think luck has that much upside and immediate upside. I'm not saying it may happen this year, but I don't think it's going to take very long in year two. And it could happen this year. You never know. He could be oh, really Oh, something. no, yeah, the timing was perfect. I mean, it's just it hard to see, you know, Peyton Manning have to leave. But under those circumstances, it worked out for both parties. Absolutely. Well, AP, believe it or not, we're at the close of the show. Thank you so much for calling in and offering your insights. you got a busy couple weeks com- coming up, and we'll have you call in to describe how it all went. Okay, John, I sure appreciate it. Anytime. All right, and Voice America listeners, as always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.